Good evening, Lake Church. How's everybody doing tonight? Amen. Are you excited to be in God's house? Hallelujah. Well, that's good. Amen. Um, got a few things that we're going to get started. Let's give a, a warm online audience or uh, welcome to our online audience. Uh, and uh, we're glad to have you tonight. Um, a few things to get started. We got some announcements. Uh, we've got our, our men's um, fight club coming up the 15th and 16th of September, and it's going to be out at Lake Camp. Uh, Pre-registration uh, is right now. You've got eight days, and then it's going to go up to 50. So you're going to save $10 if you pre-register, and it's, uh, it's going to be, um, there'll be meals, there'll be axe throwing, there'll be knife throwing. Um, also, we'll have cornhole and uh, the word and worship. So it's going to be a great time. Make sure you uh, get signed up, get ready, and go online and do that. And uh, I believe you're going to be blessed. Also, we've got our uh, church center app. Um, there's, there's lots of things on there. Real easy to sign up if you don't have the app. You can get on there. You can go to the archives, look up messages. Also, you can, uh, you can pay your tithes and offering on there. You can look up the church bulletin. Uh, see what's going on for the church. So there's lots of different things that is on there. Uh, if you don't have the app, try to get it, get signed up. If I can do it, anybody can do it because I am not, I'm no good at texting or anything. So um, I believe that uh, it'll be very beneficial to you and very helpful to you. Amen. Um, now it's time to give. Are you excited about giving? Amen. And I was, I was thinking about that today, and I remember back when I was in Thunder Kids, and, and we used to tell the kids, you know, tithe is 10%, and it's a required of you, but offering is above and beyond. And we would tell them that every Wednesday night, or when we would have service, or every Sunday. And so I want you to, to know, you can't outgive God, amen? And, and, and when you give above and beyond, God's going to bless you. We don't do it for that, but God will bless you, and he'll bless you abundantly. Amen? So uh, tonight, if you uh, want to give, you can give in the uh, bucket back there in the back. You've got your envelopes and the seat backs in front of you. You can text to give. Uh, you can go online at lake-church.com, or you can go on that church center app, and you can give that way. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house. Pray that you bless the gift and the giver. Multiply and meet the needs for the church and for the kingdom of God, Father God, and for the community. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn amen. it over to Pastor. Good evening, Lake Church. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can we stand up and give God praise? Amen. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and begin from your heart just to... Give him praise and honor and glory tonight, for the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen? Do you believe that? Hallelujah. I believe it. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for you are good, and your mercy endures forever. We boast on you tonight. Thank you for all you've done for each and every one of us in the name of Jesus. Thankful that we're here, Father God. Thankful that your spirit is among us and within us and upon us. Hallelujah. Thank you for your holy, precious word. We thank you, Father God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God is good. Amen. I said God is good. He's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our soon coming king. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Remember what Jesus said in that last, if you were with us last week, he says, I'm going to go get them. I'm going to go get them. Amen. We're preaching here and getting encouraged. Guess what? They're getting encouraged too. Amen. Hallelujah. They miss you. They want to be with you just as much as you want to be with them. Praise God. One day it's all, we're all going to be together. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. You can be seated. Amen. So we're talking about the uh, blessed hope. And so we're going to be looking at Titus chapter 2. Look at that. That is our text tonight, Titus chapter 2. And I'm going to go over some things I went over last week. But uh, that's how we learn as we go over things. Amen? Um, we'll go over what we have and then take a few more steps up the ladder and we'll go over that and then we'll take a few more steps, line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little, amen? And so it says in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, it says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Isn't that wonderful? What a powerful statement that is. The grace of God. How did the grace of God appear? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the grace of God that has appeared, and he has brought salvation for how many people? Just a certain amount of people? Just the good people. Just Americans. Just uh, Republicans. <laughs> Amen. All right. I have to get your goat. But you showed me where it was. <laughs> Notice what it also says. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Notice that this grace that has appeared before all men and this salvation that has been given to us is a means of training. Amen? Amen? That's the reason why we have trained Bible college. The reason why we have trained uh, Christian academy. That's the reason why we have train in our church. We train people to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled. Is that what we're seeing on the news? We're seeing a lot of self-control on the news. Self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting. I like that word. Notice it doesn't say watching. There's a big difference there. We have to understand that the church is not waiting, is not watching for anything. I want to ask you a question. We're talking about the blessed hope. We're talking about God's kingdom coming, and I'm looking forward to that day. About, how about you? I'm going to ask you a question. It's not a trick question. But I'm going to ask you this. Could Jesus today, 
Could Jesus today set up his kingdom on the earth? Let me say it again. Could Jesus today, right now, set up his kingdom in the earth? The millennial kingdom of Jesus. The answer is no. You want to know why? Because there are scriptures that are yet unfulfilled when it comes to the second coming. But I submit to you today, while Israel and the world is watching, the church is waiting because everything that needs to be filled for Jesus to come for his church is already done. So we're sitting here talking about blood moons and all these things, and, and we're, trying, we're, we're, we're basically not understanding that the church is unique and that the church and Israel are not the same thing. Now, we've been grafted in as the people of God, but we did not become Israel, and Israel did not become us. The church is made up of both Jew and Gentile and is the body of Christ. The rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ fulfill two different things. The rapture of the church is for Christ's body to be extracted out of the earth. The second coming of Christ blesses not only us who arrive with him, but all of the world. Now, it doesn't bless all the world, but it blesses people. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's meant to be a, a change that happens in the world. Amen. The Jews are looking for that Messiah that's going to come and bring a kingdom. We're looking for our Savior, Master, Lord, and King to come and take us in the air. It's two very different things. Now they both comprise what is known as the day of the Lord, which is when God is, is finally coming in and rectifying Everything that was lost in Adam, he rectifies it by pouring out his wrath on those that have not been rejected by him, but who have rejected him. You got to understand that. There's not an innocent person on planet earth. Hello. Hello. So you got to understand that. We were born in sin. We operate in sin. We were born rebels. <clears throat> God takes care of babies and he takes care of children. But you get past 13, you're on your own. Hello? So you're, you're making your own decisions. In fact, a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah was when a Jewish child, whether male or female, would reach the age of accountability in which their sins were no longer covered by their families. And I believe that that number, we could use that number safely around that period of time. I came to an awareness of my sin early in my life, but I didn't necessarily uh, act on it because I didn't know the gospel. But I knew I'd messed up. I, I think it was a lie I said to my mom, you know. I just, you ever, you know, you're playing around, you told a lie, and all of a sudden you just felt this gravity, you know. Sin revived and I died, Paul said. You know, he was innocent as a child, but 
then when he transgressed and the awareness of the law came in, he said it slew him. That's what he said in, in Romans chapter 7. So I, I've digressed a little bit, but I want you to understand this, that uh, Jesus can't establish his millennial kingdom today. There's too many prophecies in the Old Testament that are unfulfilled that have to do with setting up certain things that have to happen before that can happen. However, we take great comfort in knowing that there is simply no scripture that needs to be fulfilled in regards to Jesus Christ coming for his church. <clears throat> now, there are people that will complain and talk about the rapture being escapism. Well, you just want to escape. You just want to get out of here. Yes. The world is not my home. Hello. Hello. Exactly. Jesus offered an escape from sin through his death, burial, and resurrection. I was smart enough to take him up on it. You think I'm going to pass up getting out of here before the wrath of God comes in here? You think I'm going to be El Stupido and, and I'm going to go through the rapture. I'm going to show my devotion and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't even tithe. Hello, you can't even come to church regularly. And you're going to survive the worst, absolute worst period of human history that Jesus said, if it wasn't shortened, all flesh would perish? Hello? And the fact of the matter is that when the church goes up, God deals with people differently in the sense that it's not like it was now in the age of grace. People will still get saved. People will still get born again. There'll be great Amounts of people that will call upon the name of the Lord, but it will cost them their life. Yes, you had trouble with COVID lockdowns. Think when you cannot buy or sell without a mark. You can't handle criticism on Facebook. But yet you've got this boldness to say, I'm going to walk right through the tribulation and I'm going to just stand up to the beast system and I'm going to show my devotion to Jesus. What you're saying is my works and my pride is going to get me through this. And I'm telling you, it's not anything about that. Amen. I shared with you this. Jesus' physical body was submitted to the wrath of God so that Jesus' spiritual body could be redeemed from it. Jesus' physical body was submitted to God's wrath. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It actually says that God laid upon him the iniquity of us all and he bruised him. He actually afflicted him because of he became sin who knew no sin. God is not going to subject Jesus' body again to that type of treatment. And the Bible teaches that if you're in Christ, you're his body. So God is not going to afflict the body of Christ 
to the wrath of God. Come on now. Well, the church, you know, needs to grow up. Yeah, oh, you don't think I know that? I need to grow up. Come on now. We're doing some stupid stuff. I know that. We deserve a spanking. We deserve the wrath of God if you really want to get down to it. But isn't that the reason why Jesus came? Because we couldn't pay for it ourselves. We couldn't change our nature, our course. We couldn't do anything. He had to come and do it for us. And you think a God that that's loving that will come down and take your place is going to put you in a situation in which you can turn your back on him, in which you can revile him and curse him because of the wrath that's coming upon you? I'm here to tell you our God's too good. Our God is either absolutely good or he's not good at all. Amen? Okay. All right. No. He says, waiting for our blessed hope. What is Paul talking about? Well, what is the blessed hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's not talking about the coming. He's talking about an appearing. So an appearing is something that appears. And that perfectly describes the rapture of the church. So one thing that we have to understand is, and this is a question that many people have, because we have, you know, uh, the left behind books and we have a lot of media out there and some poorly made films, uh, you know, um, (laughs) about the rapture of the church. Generally, when the rapture happens, they'll have like, you know, we're sitting here in, in church and the rapture happens and your clothes are there, you know. And you're not, they're not there. And it's like one minute you're there, Leela, and then the next minute you're gone. And most people have this concept or idea that that may, might be the way that it looks like. Well, you have to understand that they took a lot of creative license in that particular concept. Because, you know, we really um, are ignorant in regards to that because we just don't see people translated all the time. All right? Okay. But the Bible always has a pattern. The Bible always has a pattern, okay? So with that, I want to turn, and I'm going to kind of go off my notes a little bit, to 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 15, and starting with verse number 50. This is important for us to understand. What does the Bible say? What, what does... Uh, you know, um, culture say, because we need to base our belief on the scripture, not based upon, um, any ideas we might get from media whereby, whether it be Christian media or secular media, but there is a pattern. Remember I showed you certain patterns. I'm going to show, I'm going to reacquaint you with those patterns because, when it, there, there are three main questions that I think we deal with in the church. And it's really quite funny because they shouldn't necessarily be addressed. Is there's confusion about spiritual gifts. There's, a, uh, there's confusion about tithing and giving. And there's confusion about the end times and about the rapture of the church. 
And uh, these are all, Paul doesn't want you ignorant about any of these things. And he teaches explicitly on it, but yet people seem to ask the same questions over and over and over and over. And what will the rapture look like? Well, you know, look, look at uh, verse 50 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's the reason why we need a rapture. Is because the way we are cannot handle the kingdom of God. Your physical body, is it too cold in here? It's a little cold. Can we turn that down a little bit? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And uh, I feel like I'm Rocky in the meat locker. Okay, all right. Are we okay? I'll see if I can mentally turn them down. Are they going to turn them down? Huh? Okay, all right. Okay, praise the Lord. Amen. Fast, fluid, and flexible. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. <clears throat> so when he uses the word mystery, musterion in the Greek, it means that this has not been previously revealed in the Old Testament. Okay? So when we talk about resur uh, the resurrection is in the Old Testament. It's spoken about in the Old Testament. However, this new mystery about those that are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord and what happens to them is something that is absolutely new. So Paul is addressing this for the first time. And he says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, <clears throat> but we all shall be changed. <clears throat> Everybody say changed. 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 In a moment. Atomos in the Greek means an indivisible space of time. Very short. Atomos in the Greek, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Okay, so it talks about that. Now notice this. It does not say that the catching away is instantaneous. It says the change is instantaneous. Do you understand that? The change is instantaneous. Now we studied what... The word um, catching away is harpazo in the Greek. And it does mean to seize. Uh, it has the, the, um, the word picture of it's harpazo, harpooning something and pulling it out. So it's, it's very, you know, it's a, it's a quick action. However, is a transformation. Okay, so there are passages of scriptures in the Old Testament that give us, and in the New, prophesied in the future, that give us insight on what that looks like. The first one is Elijah. Elijah was translated. How was he translated? Chariots of fire, were they seen? Absolutely they were seen. They were seen so much, not only by Elisha, who was with him, 
but with the school of the prophets saw it as well. Okay? And it's also very interesting that if you read the text in Second, uh, I guess it's Second Kings 2, you read the text, all of them had an awareness that this was going to happen. Think about that. They had an awareness that they were something was different, something was going to change. Could we have an awareness of it? We won't know the day or the season, but or the day or time, but we can know the season. I talked to you about that last week. But can we also kind of sense that we're getting close? Amen. See, God doesn't want us ignorant of these things. Okay, the next one is Jesus himself. Jesus on the Mount Olivet. It says, while he's even speaking, he's floating in the air. And he goes up into the clouds. Now, that's, a, that's kind of code. It's Bible code. It's not talking about puffy clouds like we saw today. Clouds always represent witnesses. Okay, so there was the Old Testament saints that were in Abraham's bosom that were released at Jesus' resurrection. And he went up with them. So that is a type of the rapture because the angels even said, he will come in like manner. Okay? So he goes up and everybody sees it and he disappears just like Elijah disappears. But people saw it And it caused them to change their lives. Hello. The other is found in the book of Revelation, and it's the two witnesses. Now, these two witnesses are given the ability to plague the beast and the Antichrist and the, and the beast system, to prophesy against it and to create great signs and wonders that mimic that of Moses and Elijah. Now, you know, what, whether you go to this school or that school, you can pretty much, you know, uh, divide it between Enoch and Elijah or Moses and Elijah. I don't care. I just know that they operate in that same power and uh, that they operate in that same anointing. And they just frustrate the beast who was trying to basically take over the temple area in Jerusalem and trying to make that his headquarters. And these two are standing in his way and they're calling fire down from heaven. They're causing all kinds of atmospheric disturbances. But they're allowed, God allows them to be overtaken. And the Antichrist seizes their lives and takes their lives from them. And he basically kills them and leaves them out in the streets. And the book of Revelation says that their bodies will be seen all worldwide. They'll be on your social media timeline if you're here. I hope that you won't be here. Amen. I'm not going to be here. Okay? Because that's three and a half years in, man. And... Uh, <clears throat> Something's wrong in Denmark if you're three and a half years in the tribulation and you don't know it. I mean, that was what I call dull. 
and they're so excited that these guys are dead that they give gifts. They actually have a second Christmas. It's how wicked. But they're there for three and a half days, you know, bodies rotten, you know, in the sun and left there as a sign of anybody that would rise up against the beast. And what happens? They hear a voice that says, come up here. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is going to whisper that to you. You're going to hear that same voice. Come up here. Oh, I love that. Fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. He looks to John and he says, come up here. You're going to hear that. You know, maybe the first audible word you ever hear out of Jesus' mouth is going to be, come up here. Amen. How many are ready for that? Come up here. Amen. Come up here. And uh, their bodies are, are resurrected right there. Seen by everybody. And lifted up into the clouds and seen by everybody. Okay? So this tells me this. Just by simple deduction and by just simply using my brain. That I submit to you that people leaving their cars and crashing in and causing catastrophes, pilots leaving airplanes and causing catastrophes is not what it looks like. Okay? There's going to be disruption. There's going to be chaos. Yes. But God, listen, when God does something, when God does something, it's to point to the right place. You know, God actually caused an earthquake in Acts chapter 16. No one was hurt. No one was hurt. So we've got to understand that the purpose is a grace. I'm just, you know, listen, you don't have to believe this or not, you know. I'm not saying that it's absolutely dogmatic. I'm not dogmatic about it. But I can tell you this. That the rapture of the church is going to be such an experience that's going to be felt by people all over the world. Not everybody, not everybody, but people all over the world. That it's going to cause them to fall to their knees and call upon the Lord the minute it happens. Now, they will not participate in the catching away of the church because they did not get born again during the age of grace. Because when the rapture of the church happens, The fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and there's no more room in the boat. And they will have to go through that tribulation period as far as they can get. But you're going to have grandchildren that are going to see you change, and they're going to get on their knees and cry out to God. You're going to see spouses that are going to see their spouses change, and you're going to see them lifted up. And then they're going to be crying out. But it's not going to be everybody. It's not going to be everybody. Okay? Of the 8 billion people on planet Earth, you know, Christians account for a 
percentage of that. And there are some nations in which there isn't a Christian. There are some villages where there isn't a Christian and they won't be touched by it. They'll hear it by hearsay. And that gives way to the Antichrist's strong delusion of explaining away what happened. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit next, well, when I get to it. All right? Okay? We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to what the strong delusion is. But, uh, but understand that. Just use your mind. You know, if we're sitting here in a church and transformation happens right now in a moment of twinkling of an eye, there may, I, I, I assume that all of us are going to be changed. Amen. I assume this is going to be empty. But, you know, there'll be some houses of worship where that might happen, and there may be just 90%, 80%, 75%. If you come on a Sunday, not the diehards on the Wednesday, but you come on a Sunday, there'll be people left here if it happened on a Sunday. You understand what I'm saying? But they will see something that they cannot shake And because this has happened, they will begin to question all types of questions. I believe the initial harvest starts at that point, at that time. And I shared with you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are ambassadors of Christ upon this earth. And that when God determines that he is going to war with this system, he empties the embassy. That's what nations do all over the world. If if, uh, United States declared a war upon another country, that embassy in that country would be vacated because they do not want to get this. They don't want their people harmed But yet there are people that will teach you that God's just going to keep you. Hold up. You better stockpile food. You better dig you a big hole and make you a Batman cave. Save up your money. Get generators. Hoard gas. Hoard that toilet paper. And there is absolutely no directive in the scripture when it comes to surviving the tribulation period. Don't you think that God who put so many wonderful things in our Bible to help us live this life would have a chapter or even just one verse that would tell us how to survive the tribulation? Now, I'm not talking about the tribulation you and I face today. Because we do face tribulation. But it's a tribulation caused by men. And it's a tribulation caused by the devil. But we aren't redeemed from those types of tribulation right now. But we are redeemed from the wrath of God, which is the tribulation. Amen? Jesus said in the world, you're going to have what? You're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you. And if he's deprived it of its power to harm you in this physical world, 
But why would we think that he would leave us in the midst of harm's way? Amen? Let's look at a scripture here. Romans. Romans chapter 11. See, you've got to understand where we make a mistake about trying to find out when the rapture is going to happen is we begin to complicate what God says to the Jewish people, which is pertinent to us. However, it's not explicit to us. You see what I'm saying? God is dealing with the Israelites in a way now that is different than in the past. And that when the rapture of the church happens... His focus will again go to Israel because the church is really the, uh, the capturing of a remnant of people from the Gentile nations. Now, that doesn't mean that Jews cannot be in the church. There are millions of them, and they will go in the great catching away. However, largely, the Jewish nation is blinded to the gospel message. We have to understand that. And that blindness is in part so that God can do his work of bringing in the Gentile nations. Do you understand that? So we need to understand that when it comes to the story of the prodigal son, that is basically a picture of this is that Israel is the brother that stayed but yet didn't love the father. Oh, you're not, you're not hearing me. And the Gentiles are the ones that left and had to be gathered back in. Amen? Amen. So we understand that that's what God is doing. He is wanting to bring in the Gentiles. Let's see. Let's see for ourselves. Verse 25. He says, lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery. There's that word again, mystery, something that is not previously revealed in the Old Testament. He says, I I want you to make you uh, unaware, aware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. Another translation says a partial blindness, a partial hardening, an inability to see what God is doing, okay? Notice this, until, so there is a timeline. It isn't going to be forever, guys. It isn't just going to be unending. God has a beginning to this situation, Pentecost, and he has an end, and it's called the rapture of the church. Notice what he calls it, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Do you see that? Come in. All right? Okay? Now, which leads us to our our text, our scripture that we used out of uh, the Gospel of Luke. If you'll turn there, Luke chapter 17, Jesus referencing this great situation here, not explicitly, but referencing it, 
Because Jesus talks about the end times. He is just not explicit in his talking about the rapture of the church. Okay? Remember, he said, I have many things I'd like to share with you, but you're not able to receive them now. He said, but when the Holy Ghost comes, and he actually used the Apostle Paul to bring the revelation of the rapture of the church. Are you with me tonight? Is everyone awake? You enjoying this? Is this helping anybody? Okay. So notice this. It says, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. So he's talking about something that is atmospheric in the clouds. Okay? He didn't say lightning struck a tree and caught, you know, he's saying no. Just as there's a flash, a cross, a tamos, quick, he said, so shall it be, you know, when the Son of Man comes. And he says, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So God has a timeline. He has certain things that need to be fulfilled before that can happen. And he says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Now notice what's so unique. He said, in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage. So business as usual. Things are just going on just like they've always went on before. But notice this. Until, notice this. Paul says, until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Until, same word. He says, until the day when Noah entered the ark. So there was eating, drinking, marrying, having a good time. Hey, ho, hey, ho. And then Noah and his sons entered that ark. And then the flood comes. Well, you have to say this over and over and over again. God waited until his people were safe and secure in the ark. Before the flood came. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says in, uh, uh, God says in a passage of scripture, he says, I am the Lord Malachi. I'm the Lord. I don't change. Why do we think he's changed all of a sudden? He ain't going to do that for us. Hallelujah. Somebody's building something. But then he goes on, he says, likewise. Jesus knows these points need to be made over and over and over and over again. Because Noah is held in high regard by all of us. Noah is really held in high regard. None of us would necessarily consider us a Noah, you know, because we read that scripture inaccurately, of course, that he was perfect. That doesn't mean that he was perfect. He wasn't. We knew, know very well from his story that he was not perfect. It just means that he wasn't touched with the contamination that was in the world in those days, Okay. But people have a high regard for Noah, and they don't see themselves in there. Well, you know, God takes care of good people. Well, how about this? Jesus brings up this loser. (laughs) Lot. 
There ain't a worse, more backslidden person than Lot. Come on now. Slept with his own daughters. Made some nasty, nasty people out of those, those you know, enemies of Israel. Hello. Come on now. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot. So he's, he's not just giving you the picture of Sodom and Gomorrah. He's giving you a picture of the person. Yeah. He's showing you the transforming power of the gospel and the fact that God not only saves who we think is perfect, but he also saves people that aren't. And that's a good thing. Because I've been a lot in my life. How about you? I've had a lot to do with a lot. It says, likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking. Notice that. He begins to do it, but he adds some things to it. Buying and selling. Shopping was going on. And planting and building. So these people were not only doing what Noah was doing in Noah's time, but they're planning and building. They, they think they've got a future. They think that they, they're not only acting as if nothing's going to happen, but they're planning that it'll never happen. But notice, but on the day when Lot went out, when did it happen? When he went out. Did it happen when he was in? Did it happen when he was in his home? He had food stored. He had internet and a, and a satellite thing. Breaker 1-9. He was doing all that stuff. He was learning Morse code and all that stuff. What happened? When the angels led him out. When he was out of harm's way. When he was safe from the wrath that was about to come on that city, guess what? When he went out from Sodom, which is a type of the world, he said fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. But it didn't destroy him. Mm. Come on. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I'll tell you, we got something to look forward to. We need to stop being afraid. We need to stop making backup plans. We need to stop wondering. Biden is all of a sudden going to turn into the Antichrist or whatever. Or who's the Antichrist? I don't really care. The spirit of the Antichrist is already in the earth. We know that from the Scripture. There's been a lot of Antichrist. First John tells us that. I mean, you've got Mussolini. You've got Hitler. The spirit of Antichrist. What is the spirit of Antichrist? Those that deny the Father and the Son. We've got a whole lot of them. They're in Congress and the Senate. So you're going to try to pick them out? No, you need to busy your life. Occupying until he comes, taking ground. 
helping people get connected. Helping raise up disciples. Hello. See, people get upset over the imminent return of the Lord for the church because for some reason they got this mistaken notion that if Jesus is going to come and rescue his church, then the church can just sit back and rock back and, you know, and just wait, you know, get in a hammock and just kind of sway ourselves until that last time. Nothing is further from the truth. You didn't act that way when your mama said, I'm on my way home. I'm telling you what. My sister and I, we get home from school and we just get, you know, go and lay in our bed. And so we had chores that had to be done. And we knew that our parents were going to roll up in the back 40 where we lived over here off of B night. And we saw the dust, man. We were looking. We were watching and praying because we knew we only had a certain amount of time to get the work done before they were going to come and make an inspection as to whether we were going to do it. And there was punishment if we didn't. I'm telling you, if they called and said, you know what, I'm picking up some chicken and I'm going to be there in 30 minutes, we got to work. We got to work. So don't give me that baloney that the imminent return of Christ is not a motivator. The problem is, is that there's such an apostate spirit in the church that does not teach what the Bible teaches and causes people to be lulled off into a false hope saying that we're going to go through the tribulation. That makes you more lazy than it does if you knew the Lord was going to show up. Hello? The church has been lulled into a sleep. Well, you know, we're going to go, you know, after that, after that uh, peace accord is made, we've got three and a half years. How can you time that? There's transitional years in, in, in things. You think you got that figured out? Well, yeah, there's people. I've actually talked to them. Well, I'm going to get saved, you know, right after. I've had people tell me that. I'm going to get saved right after that accord. I'll know it's real then. You're a fool. You're an absolute fool. I'm telling you what, that is insanity and stupidity on ice to do that. But people will do it. Okay? All right. So let's take some new ground. You want to take some new ground tonight? Okay, we're going to start off. Let's see. Well, we probably need to read our, our rapture scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But we do not want you to be uninformed. And that's the whole purpose of this teaching is so that you would not be uninformed. Brothers, about those who are asleep, those have went before. Asleep is not, you know, I explained it. I'm not going to explain it again. It means those that have went before us in death in Jesus, they're considered asleep. Because Jesus has taken the sting out of death. Okay? 
that you may not grieve as others who do not have any hope. Praise God, when we go to the funeral of someone who is in Christ, we don't have to grieve like we're never going to see him again. Oh, I'm never going to see Barb again. No, she's born again. She's with the Lord. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And praise God, when you pass from this life, Barb's going to be there. We, see, we're so, we're so acquainted with death, we don't know how to respond to that. It's like, you know, uh, you know my, my father-in-law recently passed away. And uh, even I, you know, was like, well, there's Papa. No, Papa's not there. Papa don't live up at Oak Hill Cemetery. That's not where Papa is, and that's not where you're going to be either. I've had people say that, well, that's where I'm going to be when I die. No, you're not. That is not where you live. You don't need to change your mail address to Oak Hill Cemetery or wherever you might be buried or interned. You are not there. I've been talking with Mimi. She said, well, I'd like to put this on this stone and stuff. And I said, you know what, Mimi? He don't even care about that. He's not going to get resurrected and say, why'd you put a fish on my... <laughs> they don't care. Well, you know, he liked, uh, he liked root beer. I suspect he still does. I suspect he still does. Still round. Well, he would be 76. He is 76. He is 77. He is 78. He is 105. He is 205. He is 2050. See, we're so death-minded. Just think about it. Well, I'm going to be up there on the old hill, you know. Come up and visit me and give me some flowers every once in a while. Don't, don't get in that ancestral worship. I'm not saying you shouldn't give honor and stuff like that, but my gosh, sitting down, making a bench and talking to the tombstone? Come on, guys. Oh, come on. That's, that's rough. I saw some of you go, dear God, I hope he gets off this. Hello. Come on now. They're not there. They're not there. When my mother died, one of the greatest things that ministered to me, and, you know, I'm not saying you're getting in your business or anything like that, but it's always good, especially someone that's really close to you, that you see them. Because it's like a puppet without a hand in it. That's exactly what they look like. There's no animation. There's no, nothing, nothing in there. And I remember uh, they were rolling my mother's casket in, her body. And I mean, we were fixing to have the service, and I shot off to the bathroom, and I just started kind of hyperventilating, you know, because it's the first time that I'd seen my mom after she had passed. And so they were going to do a... a um, a showing, you know, before the service. So they, you know, opened up the coffin lid and people would pay their respects before the service. And so I went up to my mother's coffin, which, you know, I know she's not there, but it wasn't until I touched her 
that that grief just left me. I'm not saying I didn't cry, but grief wasn't there. Because her hand felt lifeless. It felt like like a, you know, a Terminator hand. You remember them Terminator hands, you know, that you saw in there? That's what it felt like. And I knew she wasn't there. Hello? And it comforted me, and it made me realize I'm, I'm going to be okay. Now, some people that are so death-minded don't realize to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, they'll cry and cry over that body and cry and cry over that body for years. They're up there having a good time, flying. Man, probably flying around, you know, and catching big old fish and doing all this stuff, and you're here in your little pity party sitting in there, and you think you're doing them a favor. You think you're honoring them. Somebody needs to hear this. You think you're honoring them by being pitiful. Hello? I'm telling you, they're, they're, they're more alive than they've ever been. And we need to rejoice and move on and run our race. I mean, my goodness, they're going to be on the grandstands of faith. Give them something to watch. Give them something to cheer. That's my baby down there. Look at that. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. Praise the Lord. I'm proud of my baby. Instead, they see you with the blinds drawn, your SpongeBob SquarePants pajamas with pizza sauce on it. Binge watching some Netflix homoerotica. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> They're up there saying, I don't know whose child that is. I, I don't have any idea. <laughs> She looks just like you. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Isn't that where your daughter is? No, no. No, that's not her. That's not her. Come on now. Give them something to cheer about. Run your race. Do what God's asked you to do. It hurts. It's painful to lose somebody. It hurts. There's no hurt like it. But we don't honor their life by being depressed. And we don't honor our Lord who saved them and us by sitting on our hands, being victimized, and thinking that we can't live without them. Let me tell you something, my friend. The only person you cannot live without is Jesus. Well, I just can't live without them. Yes, you can. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I just can't do without them. Oh, you'll find a way. People do it all the time. Every day. Okay? All right. 
For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Amen. So it's a word from the Lord. When he, what he's talking about is a word from the Lord. It's not I surmise, not I think, not maybe, you know, sometime, you know, I, I, I kind of think this might happen. The Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will what? Will rise first. Then we who are alive, that's what we've been talking about, we who are alive, in a moment, will be transformed, will be changed. Who are left will be caught up together with them in the, there's that clouds again, to meet the Lord in the air so we will always be with the Lord. Amen? So this is the word harpazo in the Greek, and it means to seize, and it's a forceful seizing. It's not like me reaching for the microphone and do, 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 like that crane and the, it's not that at all. I mean, it's a quick seize out. Amen. The minute the dead in Christ, they rise first, which will be a sign and a wonder. Then we who are alive and remain will be transformed in an instant. So there's got to be an interval between the dead in Christ and those that are alive and remain. So people will be seeing these signs and wonders. This happened at Jesus' resurrection. You read uh, in, uh, I believe it's Matthew 27. It says that graves were opened and that people who had passed on came out of them and went and visited their families. <laughs> this is not only documented by Matthew, this is documented by the Roman province and governor of that region. This is not just established from a supposed, you know, um, religious text. It's substantiated by a secular report. That happened. And when he ascended, he ascended with them because they, uh, an Old Testament saint did not go to God's heaven when they passed. If you look at Genesis... It says that every time or in the Old Testament when a king passed from this life, it says he was gathered to his fathers. Jesus teaches us this in the story of Lazarus and the rich man. And he calls the place that Lazarus went Abraham's bosom or paradise. It was a place in the earth where the redeemed of God in the old covenant, those that believed by faith, because faith is always the way to salvation, whether it's looking forward to God's sacrifice in Christ or looking back to an established work, faith is the same, and it brings justification and righteousness. They would go into this bosom and be held there. But when Jesus died and gave up the ghost and said, it is finished, 
In your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus went into the, Ephesians 4, into the lower parts of the earth. He went into those lower parts to pay the debt of our sin, but he rose up and preached. Remember it says he preached to them that were in prison. He's not talking about people in hell. He's talking about people in Abraham's bosom because that was a prison because of sin, because they could not be in the presence of the Lord. He declared the gospel in paradise. And when they all said, that's him, that's the one we were looking for, and they began to embrace, they, when he was resurrected, they resurrected with him. And when he, when, when he was caught up in his rapture, they went with him to the third heaven where Jesus prepared a place for them, just like he's preparing a place for you. Amen? I tell you, this is good stuff. He says, therefore, encourage or comfort one another with these words. Okay? So, after the Apostle Paul, which First and Second Thessalonians were really the first two books that he wrote, first two letters that he wrote in his, in, in his very early letters, there was someone that came in because of the trouble that was going on in the Roman world. They said, you know what? Jesus has come. He's taken his church. These Caesars are persecuting us. People are dying. We're in the tribulation. They were, they were thinking, man, we're in the tribulation. How many ever had that good uh, eschatology teaching in your church that just made you wet your pants and You know, I remember someone was telling me, oh, he's coming and you better be ready. I was scared. I was scared, man. The devil's coming. The Antichrist is coming. See, here's the emphasis that we need to have as believers. We are never to emphasize the Antichrist. That is not the emphasis of our lives. Hello. Hello. The only time we're going to see him when he's revealed as the Antichrist is when he's thrown into the lake of fire. We're going to be busy with the marriage supper of the Lamb. Come on now. Hello. So I'm not really too keen on trying to figure out who he is. Hello. That's not my great pursuit in life. But there are people that have these pursuits and they get confused. I remember when uh, Ronald Reagan became, uh, became president. You know, I was just a young, young man at that time. I was, you know, 12, 13 years old. And they said, he's the, he's the Antichrist. <laughs> Ronald Wilson Reagan. Six, six, six. It's in the number of the name. And you get all kinds of foolishness like that. 
You know, we had the thing with Barack Hussein Obama. We had all this stuff. And listen, guys, that's superfluous. It's not even necessary. We need to be, we need to be focusing on the real Christ, not the Antichrist. Amen? And eschatology is not written to scare you. God showed you the end from beginning to encourage you and to comfort you and to strengthen you. He didn't do it to make you shake in your boots and go, oh, my gosh. We're to be encouraged. Jesus said, when you see all these things, look up. Because your redemptive draw, redemption draws nigh. What's that redemption? It's the blessed hope. Okay. Don't sound convinced. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to take some more ground here tonight in the next uh, five minutes. Okay. Are we okay? Okay. It says, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. Now, I don't really like my ESV translation on this because it just, it's just not as explicit enough than what the Greek says. And uh, I'd like to read some Greek paraphrases of this verse because uh, you've got to understand you're dealing with translations. Okay? It's the original Greek and the original Hebrew and the original Aramaic that are the inspired word of God. Not... English versions. So, you know, I, I, I don't have a particular one that I'm, I'm, you know, I like to read out of uh, multiple versions. I use the ESV because they establish the Dead Sea Scrolls a little bit more in them. Um, but uh, again, you know, every Bible translation has issues and uh, has certain proclivities and certain biases. Okay, and um, even the Latin Vulgate, you know, commissioned by the Catholic Church and things of that nature, changed things to their view of thinking. So you've got to go to the original language; you'll find it. You've got to be a student of the Scripture, and uh, you trust the Lord. You don't trust man. Come on now. And even when I'm teaching, I don't want you sitting there and taking everything that I say and say, well, pastor said it. That's the wrong thing. You're never going to meet the devil and say, pastor said, not going to work. You're going to have to say it is written. Amen. Just like Jesus said, he never said rabbi so-and-so said, he never said that. But, uh, when we begin to look at this, which, uh, I'm going to turn there real quickly because I have it written in my Bible here is, uh, he is beseeching, if you read it in the King James, he says, I beseech you. So he is basically requesting. He's requesting that they do not be shaken or troubled. He says, I'm requesting that you don't be shaken. But yet it's written in a way that it's not showing you what the topic is of what's, what they're going to be shaken by. Okay. So in this translation, it says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, to not be shaken, uh, quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us 
to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So they obviously had a problem thinking that Jesus has already come. We've been left behind. And now we got this crazy, uh, you know, Caesar that thinks he's God and he's persecuting the church. Okay? So they thought they were already in the tribulation. All right? So the Apostle Paul uses a, um, uh, a Greek word, um, pair, and it means this. It should say this, now on account of, now concerning, now of the coming of our Lord, now of the gathering. So he's explicitly talking about the rapture of the church. He's speaking about what he spoke about in that original letter in the 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that we just read. He's reiterating things that he has told them and comforting their heart. And I'm here to tell you, you will be comforted when you realize that this has been set throughout and man has diluted it and caused problems in it. Okay, so he's talking about the rapture of the church. Now, this paraphrase, this is from a Greek scholar. He says, I beseech you, brethren, on account of our gathering to the Lord in the clouds, not to worry about the day of the Lord. We are going up, not through. Okay, so he's talking about this very, very, you know, he's, 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 establishing certain things. He says, let no one deceive you in any way. There's a lot of deception when it comes to the rapture of the church. For the day will not come. What day? The day of the Lord. The day of our gathering together. Unless the rebellion comes first. And that word rebellion was added by translators and it's not even accurate. It's the word apostasia. Apostasia is transliterated. It's a made-up word. Every time it's used in the Scripture, especially in Acts 21.21, write that down. Acts 21.21 has this same word. And it's used for the word depart. Hello. So let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the departing comes first. Now, I shared with you last week. I'm not going to share it again. Every early translation of the scriptures uses the word depart, every one of them. For some reason, the Catholic Church and the Protestants fought over this word, and they brought in rebellion. Or um, it's another word um, uh, that they used in regards to that. And then the King James just put falling away. Okay? All right? So he goes on and says, who oppose, uh, well, let's read the rest of that verse. <clears throat> and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Okay? So he's telling you this. That the man of lawlessness, who is the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the son of destruction, or, as the Greek says, the son of Apollo, okay, 
which that's Satan's son, that's Saturn's son, Apollo, okay? All right, he says, he will not even be able to be revealed until there's a departure first. And he goes on to quantify what needs to depart. Now, this isn't foreign to the scripture because Jesus said this during the transitional uh, time of his ministry when he was transitioning them to the Holy Spirit. He says, the Holy Spirit won't come unless I go. Well, I submit to you, the Antichrist won't be revealed unless the church is out of the way. Hello. He says, uh, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you about these things? And you know what is restraining. Look at that word restraining. So there's obviously a restraining of the revealing of the man of sin. Okay? So who is the restrainer? Well, let's look at the scripture a little bit. It says, and you know what is restraining what? Notice that. What is? What is? What is? What is? Get that. What is restraining? Okay? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, only he, only he who now restrains. So it was a what is restraining, and now it's a he who is restraining. Do you see that? Okay. The he happens to be the Holy Spirit. The what happens to be the church. The he is the Holy Spirit. The what is the organized church. So what is restraining the man of sin? What is restraining his revealing? It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the body of Christ that the Holy Spirit breathed in on the day of Pentecost and operates through. And when that body is taken out of the way, then the man of sin is revealed. Does that make sense? So it says, only he who now restrains it. Notice, it's a what, it's a he, it's an it. Why is that? Because church, although it's the body of Christ, the church or the ecclesia isn't it. It's, 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 it's not personalized. But the Holy Spirit is the person within the it, within the body. Your body's an it. Did you know that? The Bible, the, the Bible refers to your body as an it. <coughs> it is not you. It's an it. You live in an it. Your spirit, the real you, is the he or the she that's in the it. Do you understand the language? Only he who now restrains it will do so until he, notice that, is out of the way. Jesus said, Holy Spirit can't come unless I get out of the way, unless I move on. He said, it's expedient that I go away because if I don't go away, he won't come. Well, guess what? The principle's still here. There's absolutely no way that the darkness that's going to come upon this world 
can come when we are the light of the world and the salt of the world. It's just not going to happen. Now, listen, we're opening doors day after day after day because we don't take our place as prayerful, powerful, prophetic people that speak to the evils of society. We are not impeding the mudslide like we need to. We can't inevitably stop this from happening, but we can't impede it, and we're supposed to. But the more we take in all this junk that's coming into our culture and the church begins to operate in a carnal way instead of a spiritual way, it gives the opportunity for the man of sin to begin to come into the, the you know, begin to come into the scene or begin to develop, you know, the infrastructure for him to come in. Amen? And I believe God still has a harvest for this nation. But it's going to be up to the church because as goes the church, so goes the world. So we've got to judge ourselves lest we, not be, lest we be judged and begin to lift up the standard of Jesus. And when we do that, we are the restrainer. But there's not a whole lot of restraining going on when we're accepting abominations in our churches. Entire denominations are accepting abominable things that Come on now. All right. The restrainer is the Holy Spirit and the church together because the church is nothing without the Holy Spirit. And just as God breathed the breath of life into Adam, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to animate his body on the earth. Can the body do things irrespective of the Holy Spirit? Yes, they can. That's the reason why we're not impeding the slide and our ability to restrain these things has been greatly impaired. But when we rise up and we do, hello. And that's the reason why you got such an attack against churches that speak about tongues, churches that speak about faith, Churches that speak about authority. Churches that speak about the word. Amen? Amen. Being God-breathed and inerrant. The virgin birth. All of the major creeds of the word of God. That's the reason why they're attacked. Because it's only when we are true to those things and we act upon those things that we restrain. Hello, I've ran out of time. I'm not going to keep you anymore. I see the look on your face. The church has to get out of the way. The church is mentioned in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. It is not mentioned again until the 22nd chapter. Tribulation believers are called saints. You hear the word saint in those chapters, but that is not the church. Those are tribulation believers. And they're not necessarily gathering and worshiping like us and learning the word like us. They're running for their lives. 
because the Bible says that the Antichrist has power over the saints during the tribulation period. If you can't live it now, you're certainly not going to live it then. So I would get on the boat. Get on the Jesus train today. Amen? So we'll have counselors here that will pray with you if you're not born again, if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, if you need healing in your body or you need something from God, they're going to be up here to pray for you. Amen? And look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Now, listen, guys, this is, our la- this is a very significant Sunday because it's the last Sunday of two services, the last Sunday in 15 years. And we will be going <coughs> to 10 a.m. the next Sunday. God is going to do some dynamic things with us and for us as we collectively come together and worship the Lord. One place, one accord, the Holy Ghost. That's what he said. Amen. And so be praying for that. It's going to be the last Sunday with the two-service format. So the next Sunday is going to be 10 a.m., and that's the way it will be. Amen? So be prayerful and know that God is leading and guiding our church. It is not the path that I necessarily thought in my head, but it's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding our church. We've got two good-sized services. They're going to be coming together, and God wants to do something in unity. He wants us together. That's what I got in prayer. So I need your help. I need your prayers. We need your participation. Amen? And uh, some of you have been wanting this for a long time, and I understand that, but it's not for the reasons that you have. It's not so that you don't have to work a service. It's not that you don't have to do that. It's God wants us together, unified and in one accord, because he wants to do something in our midst that the two-service format cannot achieve. Amen? Amen? You're dismissed in Jesus' name.